Hello and welcome to Ale Tales, a podcast about real ale and craft beer hosted by two very friendly Yorkshire blokes. This week we were lucky enough to be joined by Andy Babbage, the general manager of Brew Republic, who has been working in the industry for over a decade. He's a genuinely nice fella and really well informed as you'd expect. Stick around for the next 25 minutes to hear him explain what the word terroir means, how Brew Republic are trying to help smaller local breweries in these tough times, and what's to come in the future for the company. As always, if you want to get in touch, we are on all the socials you can possibly think of, and our email address is aletalespodcast at gmail.com. It's always great to hear from you. Lastly, for your chance to get your hands on one of Brew Republic's excellent boxes, just get yourself over to www.brewrepublic.co.uk forward slash pages forward slash subscribe and add the discount code ALETALES at the checkout. That's enough from me. Hope you enjoy the episode. So Andy, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself, about uh, Brew Republic. Yeah, well, so yes, I'm Andy. Um, I've uh, uh, worked in the booze industry for for about 13 years now. So most of my proper jobs have always been in booze. Uh, Started off working in cocktails, then moved into wine. Worked in the wine industry for quite a long time and uh, then uh, got the chance to head up a new beer company. So yeah, now running Brew Republic. Um, We've been live about a year and uh, so far it's all going really well. Excellent. Yeah. So why why would you start a, a beer box company as this sort of subscription service? Um, did you feel that there was some sort of gap in the market? Yeah, I think there's always I think there's several gaps in the market. It's very competitive. There's a lot of beer clubs out there. And I, but I think they've all got their own areas and they all look at their own types of customer. Um, there's a huge number of breweries in the country still growing and hopefully will continue to grow despite what's going on. Um, yeah. And lots of breweries that still struggle to get their beers out to a, a national customer base. They might have a local following, but not much more. Um, and unless they get bought out by one of the big guys, um, they tend to struggle. So we thought it was a great way to work with them. Um, we're part of Lathwaite's Wine, which is a family-run wine business that's been going for 50 years, still owned by the, the Lathwaite's family. And uh, Will, the, uh, one of the sons, is a brewer, works in... Uh, runs his own little brewery in Oxford, uh, doing some really good traditional ale. So um, we decided that we'd uh, we'd try beer out. I've always been well into beer for many years now. Um, so, yeah, so we thought we'd give it a go. Fantastic. Very exciting. So could you talk our, our listeners through how the, the box works? Yeah, so, uh, so Brewer Republic offers uh, three different uh, clubs, subscriptions, um, we've got a classics case, which focuses more on traditional ale um, and traditional styles, uh, trying to go for the really small local brewers. Um, we'll say things like it's bringing a new local to you, to your living room. Um, then we do a discovery case, which is the more modern craft beer. Um, and then a premium case where we can try and squeeze in some of the top breweries that we've uh, that we've got. Yeah, so that, that was one of the things that actually drew me to Brew Republic in the first instance was the sort of traditional classics case. Um, I got the first one actually as a present for my father-in-law um, because I don't think there are many uh, subscription boxes that actually do a more traditional take on that. So I think that works really well. And uh, the second one I'm definitely keeping for myself. Um, and I'll, I think I'll keep going with the tra- traditional 
case for for quite a while. Um, is there any sort of theme running throughout the each month's boxes that you kind of try and aim for? Yeah, well, we don't follow a theme for the boxes, but we try and work with one brewer that we focus on every month. So we have our featured brewer of the month. Um, mm-hmm. Before lockdown, the whole team would go down to that brewery, uh, spend a whole day there, take a photographer with us, uh, just chat to them, get to know them, have a really good day out, um, but learn about what that brewery is about um, and the people behind it, the actual brewers, um, what they love to make, what their favorite beer is, um, and then bring all that information back and try and show it to our customers so that people can really focus in on one brewery every month whilst getting a selection of, uh, of other beers. It sounds like really hard work behind the scenes there, Andy. It must be good fun doing this. It can be pretty tough at times, yeah. Yeah, I have to taste quite a lot of beer. Well, I suppose you guys do as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah, hard work. <laughs> so how, how do you actually go about choosing the breweries that you work with and that you include in the boxes? We try and go for independent breweries. So we think it's important to work with smaller breweries um, where we can help them drive their national reach. Um, Also trying to let people discover breweries that they wouldn't necessarily find unless they went on holiday to a different part of the country or even into Europe. Um, So we try and work with them. And we look for breweries that have got a story as well. So either that they decided to launch their brewery for a particular reason, they've got a really good theme, um, or they're following a particular type of style and perfecting that style. So rather than just experimenting with lots of different beers and trying to bring out as many different releases as possible, um, we love the breweries that are either got their niche and deliver the best beer they can in that style, um, or the ones that are trying to push a particular boundary, be that in a Belgium style or with a, a double IPA, whatever it might be, but someone who's got a, a real niche. Are there any examples there, Andy, that off the top of your brain, sort of, you know, in, in the sort of breweries who are doing really niche things, who are doing a great thing that you've enjoyed finding out about their own story yourself? Are there any sort of, you know, that you'd, you'd, you'd give a particular shout out to? Well, it was quite a long time ago, but one that I always remember was Malt Coast. It's a small brewery in Norfolk um, where the, uh, the dad had his own barley farm and used to sell all his barley off to the big the big commercial pubs. And then the sons took the farm over and decided to make their own beer. So it's really good quality beer. Um, and it's made directly from the farm. So it's barley from their farm, brewed on their farm and then sent out. And it's a great story. It's one to follow there. Don't get Ben started on farming. <laughs> it's part of my day job. Um, so like with all, all things, isn't it? Beers and uh, beers and food and wine. There's a lot of it comes from the area. And I think beers are starting to get a bit more like that now, where there's almost a, I hate to use a wine word, but a terroir around where things come from. And you get different styles of beer in different parts of the country and depending on the local area. So I think that's a really important part of beer. I think, I think you're going to have to explain that word to us because I've never heard it before. <laughs> It's all about, well, it's a French word and it could be a little bit pompous, but it's all about how you get particular characteristics in a wine or in a beer from that very local region and not from anywhere else. So from um, from the soil, from the geography, from the river nearby, it all adds to the characteristics. And I think that applies with beers. Well, we're going to have to try to squeeze that into the next episode of Ale Tales then, Ben, aren't we? Yeah, it's it's nice having on uh, guests on the show because we actually get some educated commentary. So uh, thank you very much for that one. 
Can can I just ask as well off the top of your head, what what are your favourite uh, beers from the latest from June's box or boxes? Either what any any of them. June boxes. So I, uh, I think it was we featured two beers from a brewery called Utopian, which is a, a Devon brewery. Um, I'm from Devon originally, so I'm a bit biased, but uh, they're a lager brewery, so they're specialising in really top notch craft lager. Um, so we featured uh, uh, two different lagers from them. And that was really good to hopefully let customers try that. Uh, firstly, try some really top-notch lager, very different to the mainstream stuff, but also to see the difference in styles that you can get. Um, also, Kirkstall as a brewery. I thought everything we had from them this month was great. Um, they did a really good uh, sort of West Coast IPA, um, which is one of my favourite sort of styles. I quite like a little, quite a lot of bitterness in beer, so that was really good for me. Yeah, that that kind of sorry Ben to jump in again. That kind of moves me on to a, a later question we were going to ask, which is about Yorkshire in particular. Obviously, you're talking to two Yorkshire lads here. Um, I'm currently drinking one from the um, uh, what, what's called Premium Box, the Salt Alpaca. So obviously, Salt's another Yorkshire brewery. What is it? What do you think makes Yorkshire uh, a special place to brew beer, both in terms of the traditional sort of styles and the newer beers coming through as well? Well, I asked our buyer this one, the proper beer expert. Um, he said it's the water. That was a good oh, one. Okay. I was hoping for more, but that's all I got from him. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, Roosters as well is obviously Harrogate-based, which is where we're both from originally. Um, that That's a fantastic brewery. It's been around for a long time. And again, you know, I, I'm not sure, but do you know what it is that, that makes these breweries you know uh good in the first instance and then stick around for the for the long haul the long term i think breweries like roosters as you said they've been around for in the brewing the beer world quite a long time um those sort of breweries i think have balanced keeping their traditional um traditional ale really strong and really top notch so you know if you get a pint from them in a pub that it's just going to be spot on um yeah and then slowly just coming out into those more modern styles, but always keeping their roots and keeping grounded. Um, and I'm sure it, in all areas of the country, it's having that strong regional support as well. So Roosters have got a huge amount of support and following, um, and that's going to keep them going. And it just as long as they keep every beer that they serve perfect, um, people will keep coming back to them. Yeah. So for and you, one, identity as a brewery is important. Because it's it must be very easy for brewers to go down the rabbit hole with all these different styles and lose sight of what they're really all about. So identity is a big thing, do you think, that for the breweries that stick around the longest? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a big thing. It's interesting that Roosters is one of the few breweries I could name that they've kind of mastered a lot of it. They've mastered very good traditional ale and a lot of the really modern beers and some quite crazy beers they go for. But everything I try from them always works, whereas some some breweries can't manage that. We always try and find a brewery that we could give to a traditional ale drinker, but they also produce a beer that can go to our premium case customers as well. And that can be tough to find a brewery. But, yeah, Roosters is one of the few that manages it. Absolutely. Yeah. they got the Yorkshire boys. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you don't mind me diving in again, Dan. Um, your passion, Andy, for beer, um, obviously background in wine as well. Um, tell us about your own beer story. You know, what, what drew you into to working with these these breweries and, and with, with Brew Republic? Yeah, well, my beer story, um, 
I grew up on Dartmoor in Devon. It, so Lovely. It rained all the time. So I grew up on beers like Dartmoor Ale, lots of good cask ale. That's all there was um, to drink long before I was 18. Um, <laughs> then, uh, then I moved up to Bristol, and that got me into the more modern craft scene. So breweries like Left Handed Giants, um, Arbor Ales, love their beers, uh, Wiper and True, they really got me into it. Um, and then working in wine, it just helped me learn about uh all the interesting stories you get with alcohol. So all the production, the family ownership, everything you get with, with beer and wine. Um, and I also got to work in California for a while in San Diego. And that really got me into things like some of the big double IPAs, um, the really big, uh, bitter, cloudy, hazy pop bombs that are now so common over here. But when I tried them over there, they, uh, they blew me away. Yeah, so just, just on that then, Andy. Sorry, Dan. On, just on that, Andy. Is America leading the way, do you think, in terms of innovation? Are we playing catch-up, or is it a bit the other way around? Or do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if they're leading the way. I don't like to say that they're ahead of us. I think they were, and I think they are definitely – they're still trailblazing in their styles, and to a degree I think we do copy them. They might be a few years ahead there. But I think we're going off on a bit of a tangent now with lots of the beers that we produce in the UK. So we're not just following them anymore, which I think we were, but now we're not. But I think it is fair to look at the trends you see in the big uh, craft beer cities in the US and assume those trends will come over here pretty quick. Right. Do you think that the Americans are emulating us in any way or is it only one way traffic really? Maybe a bit. I know I've, I've heard from uh, from brewers that we buy all of their hops and they buy all of our hops at the moment. So I think we just want each other's styles, don't we? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's bizarre. Do you, do you think there's any specific beer style that we are sort of trailblazing on at the minute uh, that we're setting the setting the bar for in in the UK generally? I think we're pretty good now on our verdant cloud water, super hazy IPAs, that real juice bombs. I think we're pretty top on those now. I know, especially around Europe, people are hunting those beers down and they sell. All around the world don't they so i think we're pretty top-notch on those we we talk quite a lot on the podcast about how when when we first started the podcast three years ago there wasn't really anything of that nature really i think cloudwater have been around a little bit longer than that but definitely when we started talking about doing the podcast four or five years ago there was no, nothing like that so it's, it's come on very very quickly hasn't it and my, my concern really turned it to a sort of slightly more somber note is my concern is that all this fantastic progress that's been made in the craft beer industry is is going to fall away a little bit because of um what's going on at the minute how do you think we can safeguard against that and how do you think we can prevent the the you know massive breweries getting a foothold again it's going to be tricky. I think that the, I, I try and split it into two. I think you've got the ones I'm really worried about are actually the traditional cascale brewers. I think mm. they were selling everything to the pubs and suddenly they're selling nothing and they don't have bottling lines or canning lines set up. So they're the ones I'm really worried about. And that's the style that is so British. Cascale is what people come to to the UK to try. They can get good lagers and good IPAs anywhere else in the world. Um, I think the more the top modern breweries i'm amazed at how well they've done and suddenly launching online shops and shifting their cans and suddenly moving to all can 
Um, I think they've done a fantastic job, and that gives me a lot of hope that it will be okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's incredible because Ben spoke with um, the guy from Great Newsome Brewery uh, in East Yorkshire, and uh, the, the fact that they managed to very quickly move to online retail, and yeah, I think, yeah they, they he was saying that basically they've saved the business within you know within a month they've managed to turn it around. So yeah. I think there is some losses of 80 to 90 percent of the business. I, I presume that's quite common, you know, with the pub trade falling away. Yeah. 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 I think it was. And it was, yeah, it was about how, how quickly can you try and move that beer into, into bottle or can. I bet the canning companies have done well. Probably. Yeah. So uh, on the uh, flip side of things, has this in, in some ways kind of helped brew republic because obviously people have more of a demand for this and in turn are you then obviously passing that on to these these breweries that they're sort of yeah yeah i mean i think this uh it's helped anyone that does their business online across the board um people are buying a lot more online now of everything consumable um and yeah we've always i mean the company i work for lathwaite's we've always tried to work with our suppliers so a lot of the wine suppliers we've worked with for 50 years now we're dealing with the grandkids of the people we first talked to um and we want to do the same with beer so for us it's about trying to build up a long relationship with them um the main the best thing we can do it sounds silly but is just buying their beer and helping them ship it that's really the most help we can do um we've tried to be as flexible as we can and help them by buying the beer they've got rather than making them brew something else for us um being flexible where we can on arrangements to get it delivered um and just trying to support them that way but uh, i think it's really that long-term view of we can help them sell that one tank that they've got there but actually what they need is to know that they're going to get someone buying their beer for the next six months so that they can start to bring their staff back in and what's the what are your thoughts on the long-term market then in terms of, of brewing both in in styles obviously we're seeing increasing experimentation we're seeing you know people chucking all sorts of hops and fruity flavors at beers um so in terms of style but also in terms of the market you know there is this enthusiasm for people to join clubs uh and ordering boxes one day the pubs will reopen hopefully as as we used to know can those things coexist in a good way and you know how do you see this the beer styles changing and, and moving in the coming years uh, i think on styles one thing i've loved seeing over the last and it's only been over the last few months but i've loved seeing a few um, best bitters coming back even from some of the really modern breweries i've even seen a couple of milds coming back which right. we're all too young to have drunk the first time round, but we can try them all now can't we um that's really good some of those English styles. I think Lager's doing great. I know the brewers, if you go and ask a brewer what their favourite beer is, they often name a lager. Um, I think that's eventually going to get through to the rest of us, just the normal the normal beer geeks. So that's moving, and I think that's going to get more and more popular. Um, and I think bitterness is going to come back as well. Maybe I'm just being biased because I love it, but I think that's going to start coming back as well. Interesting. The, yeah. the lager thing hasn't really hit me yet. I don't know about Ben. Um, but, yeah, the best bitter aspect does excite me i think northern monk i'm pretty obsessed with them at the minute but they've done a best bitter aren't they and i think there's another yorkshire brewery that's done a best bitter but i can't remember which one off the top of my head um but yeah that does seem to be coming back in which you know is to be expected as in any fashion you know these styles will come back around won't they so yeah and the, the great thing is i have tasted a few sort of colshes and and sort of lagers recently made by the craft 
brewery and you can tell it is a craft product, there's a difference between a lager turned out by a craft brewery to the big boys, the InBevs, you know, the the giants. It, and I was surprised by how much I liked a lager style. Again, coming back to it, having started there, gone down the craft hole, come back and, and tried something bespoke and, and nice and artisan, as it were. Um, that's interesting observations that, you know, that might be coming back around. Mm, absolutely. Um, on the subject of brewing beer, uh, Brew Republic have brewed their own. Yeah. Um, is this a one-off or is it going to be a regular occurrence? And what made you want to do that? No, we hope to keep doing it. So, I mean, having a brewer as part of our team um, is, means that we've got some skills there. We think working with breweries on a recipe for a beer, um, helping to design that beer, um, and then also assisting them by knowing that we're going to buy all of it because it's got our name on, um, is a really good way to slowly build up those relationships with brewers. So, yeah, we hope to do more and more of our own beers, but also a lot more collaborations. So start moving into collaborations with some of our featured brewers as well. Fantastic. Awesome. What what sort of uh, styles are they brewed in, just, just for our listeners? I think there's, there's two different types. Got, yeah, at the moment we've got uh, just a, a great golden ale, sort of traditional golden ale, and we've got a really good session pale. Um, I think hopefully there's a lager coming soon as well. Fantastic news. I've been dying to ask this one. This one, um, Desert Island beers. Put you on the spot, Andy. Which three beers would you choose? Can be any style. It's, that's tough. Three beers. I'm going to limit it to three beers. Right. Okay. So I'm going to try and mix it up. If I'm stuck on a desert island, then I have to do it. I have to have a selection, don't I? So Very go with a high one. So Yellow Belly, which was a Buxton on Apollo Stout. That was a beautiful beer. And if I could have a supply of that to keep me going, that would be all right. Um, I love Daya, Steady Rolling Man. as a pale ale. It's the one just to have a few pints of in a pub. That's perfection, that beer, for me. And then if I think I suppose the traditional one, there's a brewery called Rebellion, um, and they do a beer called 24 Carat, which is a perfect cask ale. They do it in a bottle as well. And it's got that balance of being a great traditional ale um, but using some of the slightly more modern hop varieties, which just give it a little bit more tropical fruit. So I think there you've got that nice mixture. You've got one for daytime, one for evening, and one for, for a bit later. Excellent. Okay. We love asking that question because it gives us lots of tips for really good beers, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, was, I was just having a look on the website, and something that I noticed that not no other um, beer box subscription services have as far as I can see is the beer school section um, and I quite like that I was looking through I was I was reading a few things learned a few things how important do you think it is for people to actually understand how their beer is made where the ingredients come from and what goes into it basically I think it helps add to the uh, the enjoyment of a beer knowing something about it and I'm a believer that actually the best sort of tasting note on a beer is not so much about it tastes like mango, but it's more that this beer was brewed because it's named after my dog. Or an interesting fact, something that when you, you're sat there in the evening drinking it, reading the back of the bottle, and it just makes you chuckle or it just gives you a bit more of an insight into why that beer is made or where it's come from. So I think that's really important. And in, in terms of learning about beer, I think that it's 
for me, the more I've learned about alcohol and tasting lots of different things over the years, the more it's allowed me to enjoy it. So understanding why a particular beer tastes the way it does, um, understanding why someone would say a beer is good or bad, I think can be quite tricky when you're just tasting intermittently. And perk with a job like mine is I often get to try 20 in a row. So um, then you can really compare and contrast them. And that's really important. Absolutely. So just just on that, um, there's obviously an element of subjectivity in, in any beer tasting, really. What sort of elements are you are you looking for to kind of make the process more objective and more sort of fact based, if you will? I, I always say it's balance. That's the key word with with beer, with everything, really. If you, if you can get a beer that's got the right balance of bitterness acidity and it could be really high with a sour um and then all of the flavor all the fruit characteristics coming through if you can get those three in balance then it's a good beer and that balance can be very different depending on it but if you've got a big double ipa then it needs quite a lot of bitterness quite a lot of maltiness to balance it whereas if you've got a really light pills it's much lighter on all those characteristics but a great one a good bavarian uh, lager is balanced it's light but balanced that for me is the key. So, Andy, any any sort of hints as to what's to come in your in your future boxes? Any teasers for our listeners? Uh, yeah, we've got um, Orbit Brewery in London coming up next month. Uh, so we've got a good range of beers from them. Uh, they love all the European styles, so they use a lot of Belgian yeasts, um, a lot of German influences as well. So I think that's a modern brewery that's using some different styles that should be quite interesting. And they're really into their music. So there's some great, great stuff to play with there. Um, we've got them coming up. We've got some good beers from Wild Beer coming into some future cases. Should be mm-hmm. good. Um, and hopefully a bit more from some of the Danish breweries like McKellar. Um, they're always the beers that people are looking out for. So trying to sneak one of them in is always good as well. Mm, Denmark seems to be on the rise at the minute with with gamma and everything like that as well they seem to be uh yeah doing some good stuff as well fantastic and uh, just to end on a nice positive note uh andy what uh when when this is all over and i'm sick of hearing that really but it will be over eventually where are you going to go and what pint are you going to have paint me a picture I'm going to right. go to, I have to use them again. I'm going to go to Dea because it's my local tap room. And it, for me, it shows how trying a beer directly from a tap room is a hundred times better than you can ever get it from a can, no matter how fresh you try and drink it, getting it directly from that tap room. And I can't tell whether it's because it's fresher or whether it's the atmosphere. But um, yeah, I'm going to go and have a few there. So Dea is better in the tap room than it is, is out of a can? Yeah, much better. Well, we need to get down there then, Ben, don't we? We're going, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, we'll see you at the bar. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and we wish you all the best for the future of Brew Republic. Yeah, thank you.